Hey, Tony, how's it going? Hey, Sherry, it's great. Thanks so much for having me. It is really great to see you. And I am very excited about our chat today because you used to be a doctor, a gynecologist, and you are a cartoonist. And you're a self-love coach, which I'm kind of curious about. You're a blogger and you're a global nomad. So I'm really curious about all this. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, which is about your origin story. So where were you and how did you become the self-love coach? And what does that even mean? Thank you, Sherry. Great question. <laughs> I have so many hats. I How do I summarize this? My origin story is like many people being a 1.5 generation immigrant. I was born in China and moved to the US when I was three, but I didn't move with my parents. My parents came over first. I was raised by various aunties, uncles, grandparents, and then shipped over with a stranger on the plane. So, and then growing up, my parents actually were both doctors, and they had to move around for their career. So I moved every year or so until I was about 10, and then settled in the East Coast, and then was really groomed into following their footsteps. Unfortunately, it felt very forced, like there was no choice. I've always yearned to be a cartoonist. An artist was in my blood. I always was drawing all the time. I couldn't stop drawing, but they always said that you can't it's not a real job. You'll be starving and living out of a box. What real right. career are you going to pick? You better pick what we're doing. Yeah. And that's so, what they knew, right? Like that they, they were, they, they were thinking about, well, financially, obviously you'd rather be a doctor than a cartoon. Like that, that's what they knew that they, right. they were parenting out of fear really for, for you. Yeah. It seemed to them to be the obvious choice. Yeah. And for a while I was, an only child until my sister was born when I was 12. So I felt typically like Mulan from Disney that all the pressure was on me to bring honor to the family and make my life better than what they made their lives, which already was a ton of pressure because they already did the whole immigrant rags to riches successful. That's right. Yeah. And, And that's not easy to do. So now you've got like triple the pressure, like from yeah. different levels. Yeah. So I think at some point I just hit a breaking point because I was like, well, I want to make them proud, but I never really honored what I wanted to do. And I felt for 30 years of my life, I lived a life that wasn't mine and slowly just felt my soul was dying more and more inside until one day I realized we're just all going to die anyway. Let me actually honor my heart and what's in here. It must be here for a reason. And so I started exploring everything that I was ever interested in, not just the art, but also the writing, which led to blogging and traveling the world as a digital nomad, because I am just, I can't explain why I'm so curious about other people and other cultures and other ways of life. I think growing up in the way that I did with moving around a lot and not feeling like one particular place is my home, becoming a coach was also part of that path in, I did enjoy the parts of medicine that involved connecting with people, talking to them deeply, knowing and supporting them and making their lives better. But I didn't care for the science part of it, the the problem solving. I just wanted to be a human with another human. And when I found the coaching space, I found, wow, I can 
this is perfect. I can really make that difference in people's lives and doing it in a way that lights me up the entire time that we're interacting together. And self-love is this concept that's tied in with self-care. And I feel that after so many years of not taking care of myself and my mental health deteriorated a lot, I became so passionate about helping others avoid that same pain that I went through. I love what you're saying at so many levels. Um, Something that really resonated with me, actually so many things that you said resonated with me, but you were saying that, you know, you were in the field of medicine, but it wasn't the, the content part that excited you. You know, it wasn't the actual science or the medicine part. It was what you can do with that for people, with people, you know, as, as you're helping them. Like that was the part that you loved. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, I, and I love that. And and I think that in medicine, uh, as an industry, you you all get so busy that you probably couldn't spend as much time as you wanted to with your clients, truly helping them because sometimes they just needed you as a person and not necessarily the science at that moment. Exactly. Yeah. I really resonate with that. And I love how you said self-love is actually tied in self-care. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Just a little bit more about what's the difference between those two words and how do they tie in together? Uh, So I think self-love is when we hold ourselves responsible and we truly honor and treasure ourselves. So much of so many cultures, Western, Eastern, all over, uh, have this, I think, flawed philosophy that we must sacrifice ourselves all the time, be workaholics, always be thinking about others, but never, it's selfish to think about ourselves. But truly, it ends up leading us to burnout if we give, 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 and then we give everything of ourselves away. So self-love is really finding that balance, honoring ourselves enough and really filling ourselves up first so that we overflow. And it doesn't mean that we're, we don't care about others, but no one's left behind with self-love. And self-care is a practice that we figure out what nourishes us, what makes us feel energized and inspires us, makes us feel good. And really finding that because for each person that's so different and then incorporating self-care every day so that we can maintain those levels of love for ourselves and as a result, love for others too. That's so beautifully put. It's a philosophy and then a practice. So this was a big pivot then, and especially this area that you really went into where you are empowering women of color to talk openly about love, sex, relationships, where you're helping people explore that part of themselves. And so why women of color specifically? And, you know, how does this tie in with sex in particular? Because that was how I actually met you, just understanding that you were teaching people how to be comfortable um, with sex, which is something that, you know, it's something that's very difficult for me to talk about. In our cultures, it was always not touched with a 10-foot pole. It was... Of course, you're not having sex unless you want to have a baby, right? And that's way after marriage. Like, what sex for pleasure? Like, you should like, whoa, that makes you dirty. That makes you uh, a troublesome person. And there's so much shaming and guilt tripping and secrecy to it all. And it's not just, we do it to ourselves too. We take on 
those attitudes. And we also do it to fellow women, do it to each other. And so I just want to be part of the movement to stop this, to really help people see that sex is, is great. It's a natural part of life. I mean, it's not for everybody, but for the people who like it, they should feel free to express themselves. There's nothing shameful or naughty or dirty or bad about it. So that's what really drove me to creating the programs that I do now. So what does your typical client look like? And what is their journey when they, when they meet you and take your courses? Yeah, great question. It's just amazing seeing the diversity and breadth of issues that people go through, yet we still all had that common theme of not allowing ourselves to be truly ourselves and not allowing ourselves to enjoy life. Because it's not just about sex, it it's about all every area. It bleeds into every area of our life, just this self-enjoyment, this self-expression. Um, their journey, so with the most recent group, it's really started as some were struggling. They felt like they had never had an orgasm before. They'd never really let themselves go, or they'd never been able to let themselves go with a partner, um, only alone. and but For themselves, right. For themselves. And others have come in with more of a a traumatic history yes. regarding like sexual, sexual abuse, uh, intimate partner abuse. Um, exactly. And yeah. it breaks my heart that there's still such alarming rates of this all terrible. over the world. It is terrible. Even in so-called developed first world countries, there's just not been the respect for women's bodies and just us as our own people. And I don't understand why that's still happening. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I just remember reading someone saying it, and maybe it was even you, but someone was saying, you know, the language that we use around uh, sexual assault, right? Mm -hmm. It's a woman was raped as if like, it's about the woman. And it's like, well, no, it's not about the woman. Someone raped her. And it's like, why are we putting the focus or almost responsibility? Yeah. On, uh, on this part of the equation, right? Why isn't it, you know, a criminal, you know, yes. did, did this? There was a person who did raping. Why is the language about the woman? That's such a good point. It wasn't me who said that. <laughs> now that you brought that up, yes, it's, yeah. it's victim blaming. And, yeah. or it's, it's worse when we even say, oh, well, she was asking for it. She oh. should have been watching her appearance or what she was wearing or she went out for a drink. It's like anyone should be able to do these things without feeling like their safety is in danger. If someone is having a cup of coffee, d- d- is that an invitation to spill it on them? Like, it's kind of like, you know, what? Yes. It just seems like basic <laughs> yes. human. Yeah. Someone's going about their day, uh, minding their own business. I heard some great analogies that are like, oh, if somebody is dressed like a weightlifter, is he just asking to be handed weights right. so he can show off his muscle? <laughs> right. In an expensive way. Are you just asking for someone to rob you? I mean, right. Exactly. Like, like what, what part of a person should be able to live their lives without being assaulted? You know, does, yes. don't people understand? Yeah. Oh, that is such a sad part of um, our world in many different ways. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. And that's one of the reasons I feel so strongly about working in this area and really helping to leave the world a better place. I love that you make the world a better place in this way. And so during this journey with these different people with such different backgrounds, you're seeing something in common with how they feel about sex, which is reflective in how they feel about taking care of themselves and loving themselves and bringing pleasure uh, to and for themselves. So what is this journey that you, you go on with them? Yeah, there are so many facets to this. Um, A lot of it is really bringing awareness to where this came from, where this low self-esteem and self-worth and believing that we don't deserve good things or we don't deserve joy in our lives, where that comes from first. So finding a lot about our history and separating what served us before from what's serving or might not be serving us now. And another piece of it is just how we view ourselves, how we feel about our bodies too. Body image is a big one too, and how people can feel sexy or they feel beautiful because a lot of people don't feel that way. There are more and more um, body image disorders and eating disorders now. And as somebody who's gone through that myself and come out the other side, I know exactly where people have been. And I really want to show them, here's how you get out of that hole of self-loathing. Yeah, I just wanted to take a moment and have us, you know, just sort of have that sink into our nervous system that that self-loathing that looking at our bodies and and talking to ourselves in such a mean and, 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 you know, rude kind of way. you know, it may not be out loud, but it's definitely in our thoughts when when we're looking at a mirror or when we're putting on clothes. Um, and if you don't feel that way, how can you let yourself enjoy um, life or sex specifically? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And a lot of it also comes from when people feel trapped or isolated that they can't talk to anybody about it. I love that I can bring people who are struggling with similar issues together and really create this sisterhood that we can and community that is lifelong. They can always come to and just having open, being able to have these open and vulnerable conversations is so healing. These are not questions that most, I'm going to say Asian girls can have with their parents. Definitely not. And, and not with any of their friends either. I know my friends before I entered the online space, finding like-minded people, I didn't feel comfortable talking about a lot of these. So much judgment and so much shame. Yes. Yes. And questioning of whether it's safe too, and what that would do to your previous friendship or connection. Or a reputation or what they're going to say about you. Like it just, it just feels so unsafe. Yeah. So I love creating that safe space and that confidentiality and sacredness for sharing. And I think that also brings a lot more comfort too, to the area of sex and sexuality. So tell us more about the different programs that you run and your website and, you know, the, the cartoons that you do. What can people learn from you and how can they learn from you? Thank you. I, I feel sometimes that the way I try to reach people is I, I was exploring how I wanted to show up in the world. And one of the things I remembered loving was using mnemonics or my art to 
to remember uh, knowledge or, or I, one of my favorite shows growing up was the magic school bus. So I loved how they broke down what would otherwise be boring or complex topics into something that's memorable and easy and fun. So I created some of those of my own and I put them on my website. And these are handouts that people can print out and give to patients. When I worked at a student clinic briefly afterwards as a travel doctor, I handed them out to my students and they, my patients, and they loved them. They said this was one of the most clearest resources that they've ever had. So I love that. And I also do other just general comics about uh, women's issues or just um, issues for about mental health or about diversity or inclusion. I actually love to collaborate with people. If you have an idea, let's get on a call because I'd love to talk about it and see how we can create it together, even if it's just something small and quick that we can just share on the internet. Um, I've done one of the things I was proud of doing is not related to sex and sexuality is the five Asian love languages, which took Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages and added a twist that many people can resonate with, especially from being an Asian background. Like instead of words of affirmation, you tend to have words of criticism or words of negative reinforcement. Oh, my gosh. It's it's. Um, what happened to the 3%? You got 97%. So tell me what happened in those three, in the 3%. Right. Is this not a hundred percent? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So that's one way that I uh, feel that I'm using um, my passions and, and gifts and combining them together. But another way is through coaching directly, whether one-on-one with clients uh, in that group space. My program for uh, women's reclaiming women's sexuality and sensuality is called Sensation, where we explore and reclaim your sensuality and you're able to just enjoy life. Life is uh, able to be more juicy and full and pleasurable in all ways for you. Um, and I also have just other one-off little books or PDFs. I do want to make a pre-recorded self-paced course at some point that I'm working on that as well. For now, I'm gathering more data before I do that. And I also write articles on my blog. And I also run a Facebook group, which is a general acceptance in mental health space uh, for all people. Um, It's called exceptions. It's like Asians, but instead of A for achieve, it's A for accept. And that's how you spell it. It can be a little hard to find, but it's really, that's the message behind it, that you are perfect just as you are. You don't need to get a certain grade or job or achieve a certain weight or be a certain way or have a certain relationship. You are already so worthy just as you are. And there's nothing you can do to take that away from you. Do you feel that in an Asian culture that that's even more pronounced? I think in many cultures, work is very valued, usually more so over family or relationships or other connections. It feels too, it feels too frivolous to actually enjoy yourself. Yes, isn't it? it I, I do feel that every so often that judgment still comes out. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to rest. Like if, if I'm resting, I feel like I'm being lazy. Right. That's you know, true. It, right? Because we do need the rest. We really actually do need the rest. And you're a creative, so you must kind of really have to figure out when you can rest so that you can then come up with being creative. 
Yeah, definitely. And it, it's been a process because no one can go the whole time. So it's really honoring our natural cycles because if we don't rest, then we'll just be sputtering along. But if we do rest, then we can create something wonderful when the time comes or the inspiration comes. So as we're coming to the end of our wonderful talk, which I I've always enjoy talking with you, um, what is one piece of advice that you would have for parents when they're talking about sex and sexuality with their children, especially their girls? What's, what's the advice that you give? Yeah, I would say to normalize it, to not treat it as something that is so unnatural or so shameful or so bad or terrible, just to talk about it in as matter of factly as you can, or just say, Hey, it's a natural process. If your kids come to you with questions, try to answer them. I mean, you don't have to go into a lot of detail. You could see what age they are, but they're <laughs> likely getting this information from school oh, or, you know, or friends, classmates, <laughs> anyway. So for, it would be great if you could become a trusted source for them, or at least a source that they can feel safe to talk with openly. And I know that's hard. I know it's because a lot of our own beliefs come up and us feeling uncomfortable would lead many people to avoid talking about together or just say that you're too young for that, or you'll learn about that later. It's all on your teachers or it's all on you to learn from your doctors or whoever else. But it really would be so nourishing, so wonderful, so healing and good for your kids' growth if you'd be able to talk about it. So especially for girls, just to not... My mom's talk was just... Don't get pregnant. I'll break your legs if you get pregnant <laughs> before marriage. That's not helpful either. Using a lot of fear tactics or just saying, well, don't get STIs. Like, of course, you can't do this because you could get these diseases or infections. But just to say, like, yeah, it's very normal. We're human. It's normal for us to want to connect with others. We're social. It's normal for us to have crushes, if depending on your child's age, or to just even introduce the topic. You could just say, "Hey, it's you're get. Um, it's very natural to develop crushes or to be interested in somebody as as and feel very strongly for them beyond friendship, and then try going from there, and then just." Just ask. I think just remaining open. You mentioned sometimes parents are then very uncomfortable, right? And in mm -hmm. maybe the way they were raised uh, or the, the way they were wired and trained. So let's say their child asks them a question mm -hmm. and you're saying, it's okay, you can normalize it, you know, let them know that this is normal. What if they don't believe it themselves? Well, I, I of course would love everyone of all ages to go through this process of normalizing it. But if you can, if that's, if that's your resistance, then I think it's okay to be, just be honest, just be okay. transparent with your child. That. This is what I was taught by my parents before right. me. This is how I think about it, but I'm trying to believe this, or it's something I'm still working through and that's okay. And sometimes just acknowledging that will deepen your connection with your child too. I love that and because it, it opens it up, doesn't it? It, it opens yes. it up and it allows the child to say, oh, it's okay. Parents don't always know everything, but it's still okay to ask them. Right. Exactly. And it's okay to be uncomfortable about it. So let's, yeah. you know, 
is a starting point. Definitely. And I think also many people shy away from any kind of discomfort, but discomfort is not always a bad thing. It just means that there's something to be learned that I think discomfort is good. If, if I lived one day reached a point in my life, I feel like it would be the same as death if I was no longer uncomfortable with anything. So to not see that as a failure on our part or as a bad thing. Yeah, because that's where we often go, right? Oh, yes. we're feeling uncomfortable. Then this is a mistake. This, it's a mistake. Therefore, it's a failure. And, right. And I'm a bad parent. And I'm, I'm a bad parent. Right. <laughs> and then we start spiraling into the spiral. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We both did the spiral movement. That's so funny. Um, Tony, I could talk to you forever. I, I, I am in awe of what you do. I love your energy. I love your passion. I love your art. And I just think that what you do is so important in this world. And I thank you on behalf of so many people who are going to benefit from working with you. Thank you so much, Sherry. It was so wonderful. Thank you again for inviting me here. Thank you for listening to Sandwich Parenting. Visit us at www.sandwichparenting.com for more stories and drop me a line at sherry at sandwichparenting.com.